Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome everyone to the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined by James Martin for our season preview episode. Obviously, the new campaign only a couple of days away now. Rather than previewing the season in, I suppose, the conventional way, we're going to take a look at some more alternative predictions for the new season. And what we've done is we've compiled 10 over-under questions, uh, nine of which relate to Liverpool players and one of which relates to the team more generally. And myself and James are going to go through each one discuss them a bit and then give our verdict on whether it will be over or under the amount that is stated. And let's just get straight into it then with the goalkeeper. We're going to kind of run through the team. And the first over-under we have, James, is concerning Alison Becker. And the question is, will he concede more or less than 39.5 goals in the Premier League? And just to provide a bit of context, this number, last season, Alison conceded 43 in the Premier League, a marker of how poor Liverpool's defence was, rather than any reflection on him, of course. Um, that was the most he'd conceded in any season at Liverpool. His previous seasons, where he played pretty much a full campaign, it was 22 in 18-19 um, and 24 in 21-22. So, yeah, we've got 39.5. James, what do you think? I think what you've got to do is is go off, you know, the what we can from pre-season and things like that. And, you know... I, it seems negative when you run through the seasons like that and, and you see how far below he has been from that figure in, in most of his Liverpool seasons. But if I had to to pick one way or the other now, I'd say probably over because you, you look at pre-season and things haven't been fixed in terms of the, the defensive issues far from it. If anything, we've gone the other way compared to where we were at the end of last season. The attack looks more dangerous, but the defence looks even more vulnerable. And, you know... There's definitely some disclaimers there. We've obviously been going through the whole the whole of preseason without a recognised number six in the ranks. So hopefully someone comes in and and sorts that out. But you look at the manner of some of the goals that have been conceded, where just there's just no one there in that space. You know, high turnovers. That's it. Off off they go, and it's it's clean through on Allison. And, and however good Allison is, you, you can't expect him to bail Liverpool out that many times. So. Obviously, you have to hope the defence improves over the course of the season. But from what we've seen so far, it is kind of setting up as that kind of almost early clop, not strategy, but sort of enforced approach of just trying to outgun the opposition and, you know, hope that if they score two, you score three, that kind of thing. So, and I suppose the only other thing you'd say is Alisson's a great keeper. He has been for a sustained period of time, but 
last season, even by his own great standards, was a bit of an outlier. He was incredible. It goes under the radar in, in a lot of areas, I think, just how good a campaign he had. So you would question, can can he be that kind of superhuman again? We, we hope that he can, but you have to expect some kind of regression, not to not even to the average, but to at least somewhere closer to the average. And yeah, with those two factors combined, I'd be worried that Liverpool are going to be looking at conceding over that sort of 40 goal mark again. Yeah, we've got a, um, a predictions piece going up on, on Liverpool.com tomorrow, I believe. And, and one of the points that Matt Addison made in that was that if, if Allison is in the player of the season conversation once again, then it's going to be pretty damning in terms of how it reflects on Liverpool and their defence. I've also gone for over. I, I wanted to go for under, but like you, James, just based on what I've I've seen in pre-season, I think it just looks too open at the moment. And a number six will improve matters, but I think there still have to be question marks over whether the defensive balance will be right with Robertson and his tendency to maybe push up a little bit too high. And are you essentially just leaving two centre-backs there to do a lot of your last-ditch defending, which might not be the most sustainable approach. But staying on Andy Robertson, he's going to be the subject of our second question here. Um, this one is a little bit tricky to answer at this stage, but I think it's still worth getting into. Um, I've gone for um, over under 24.5 Premier League starts. And obviously the context of this is Liverpool are looking for a left-footed centre-back who could potentially be a better fit for the new system. If you look through Robertson's Liverpool career, he started 22 games in his first season when he obviously took a while to get into the team. But since then, he's not fallen below 29, which is where he's been at the past two years. And before that, he was 36, 34, 38. So he's almost ever-present. Robertson, obviously, Simicass is, is a factor too. But do you think, James, that if Liverpool do get this centre-back in, there's every indication that they're going to try to, that there's a chance that Robertson starts um, under 24.5 Premier League games this year? I think there's a chance, but I think with all of the factors involved, I'd, I'd still definitely be leaning towards over. I mean, you, you look at when Klopp's brought players in in the past there's been a bit of a mix sometimes he's, he's thrown them straight in but Robertson himself is an example that that's often not the case he had to wait months really before nailing down that regular spot and we know that Klopp is loyal you know he's he's hit back in the past about people saying he's too loyal and you know maybe this summer he would say proves his point with, with Henderson gone Milner gone and all that but yeah I, I think until Robertson stops performing you know, it's it's his place to lose, and I think that'll be Klopp's mindset. And yeah, you look at preseason, and you, and you do have to say he's not the ideal fit for this kind of new version of the left back role, which is, as you say, that kind of left back hybrid, left centre back role. There have been times when he's been caught out because he's been bombing forward like like he always does, and and then hasn't maybe been able to to get back in time. But on the flip side of that, that was in preseason. If you look at the evidence from actual competitive fixtures. He played that role to a T almost in the back end of, of the last campaign. He seemed to really have the intelligence to play that role. And I suppose it's not unduly surprising. He's um, he, he doesn't play it regularly for Scotland. Normally he he plays the kind of wing-back role and someone like Tierney will play left-sided centre-back. But he has dropped in there for Scotland, at least on occasion in the past. So it's not a completely new role for him. And also you would say out of the two Liverpool fullbacks, he's always been the one with that more kind of defensive security so and yeah he's great at getting up and down the pitch so I mean it's one thing getting up and down from defensive left back position to to like joining the attack and another thing getting from the attack to slot in as a centre back it, it's it's more taxing that's for sure and there is maybe I mean ideally someone would come 
come in, like you say, a left-sided centre-back to at least put pressure on that position. But, you know, 25 games is not a, an insurmountable sort of landmark. I think even if someone comes in and maybe is a bit more of a a rotational option than Simakas has been, then I think Robertson will probably still just about reach that mark. I agree again. I've gone for um, over 24.5. I think there will be, if Liverpool bring in the right profile of player, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, fans calling for Robertson to maybe sit on the bench more often than usual. But I think there will be an element of loyalty there, like like you mentioned, James, um, just because of you know the levels that Robertson has reached. Um, and I, I can kind of understand that. Maybe there will come a point where we have to have discussions about you know being ruthless or things like that. But like you say, He's, um, I think, broadly was okay in that role. The back end of last season, there was one or two games where he struggled, but I think that is probably going to happen even if he plays as a left back, I suppose. So, you know, let's see how it goes up when the competitive action starts because with no new centre back in just yet, I think we're going to, you know, see. I mean, starting against Chelsea at the weekend, um, Robertson tested in terms of his suitability for that role. Let's move on to the opposite fullback slash hybrid midfielder. Trent Alexander-Arnold, a lot of talk this season about how big an impact he can make from that new position. So naturally, we're going to look at the amount of assists he might get. The over-under this time is 14.5 assists in the Premier League. His previous best is 13 from the title-winning season. He's got 12 twice, and he got nine last year. So, James, do you think um, over or under on 14.5? Yeah, this is a tricky one. I've definitely been back and forth on this one. Like you say, he managed to somehow get to nine last season, despite not really having very many at all until the kind of change of system. And then he went on a mad run, sort of six or seven in about eight or nine games towards the end of the season. So if, you, if you're going off that evidence, you'd lean towards over. But in the end, I've, I've just about gone under, seeing how the sort of system has even evolved a little bit from the end of last season in, into pre-season. And you look at the role that Trent's playing within it. I think what we've seen is he's maybe been a bit more inclined to be the one playing the pass before the assist, if you like. I mean, over the course of pre-season, he's got one assist. It's Obviously, these haven't been full games for him. Most of the time, he's been getting 45-minute outings like everyone else. So, can't read too much into the, the raw numbers there. But the fact is, Liverpool have scored a lot of goals and they've scored 17 goals now in pre-season and, and Trent's assisted one of them. So, you know, that, that's not to say he's not having as much of an impact in the game. He's still pulling the strings, but I think maybe in a slightly different way. And obviously, when you look back at those great seasons he's had for assists in the past, they've primarily been crosses into the box, crosses into the box. And he's not in those positions as much anymore. Obviously, there's other avenues for him to get assists, which we saw last season. He almost made that kind of De Bruyne pocket his own, didn't he, with those kind of crosses from the half space. But, um, but yeah, I think... He'll still have massive influence, and I don't think the assist tally will will reflect any differently on that. But I think maybe he won't quite won't quite reach that sort of fifteen mark. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Yeah, it was tricky. I think obviously 15 is a huge benchmark. You're looking at basically a figure that is going to put you probably first or second in the entire league in terms of overall assists. I've just about gone for over on this one. I think he can get there. I agree that preseason and his more maybe subtle role has, has dulled my excitement a little bit on this front. But if he, I think when the competitive action starts, I think he is more than capable of pushing up to this level, just given the sheer volume of chances he's going to create. And the fact that, like like you kind of alluded to there, James, you know, he can create from central areas, but he's also going to have the license to kind of drift out and onto the overlap and things like that. So he's going to basically be, just have total freedom in terms of where he wants to um, to create from. And I think he can be quite devastated. The only question I do have on that is, is the arrival of McAllister and Sobberslight, is he going to kind of defer some of the playmaking to them? And that leads us into uh, scenario number four. Uh, Dominic Sobberslight is the focus of this one. Um, I've gone for over under 14.5 Premier League goal involvements. Um, and I kind of just plucked that figure out of thin air, to be honest, when I was making it. But then, funnily enough, uh, Sobberslight's two seasons at Leipzig, he got 14 goal involvements in the, B- the Bundesliga, um, both, both times at six goals and eight assists. And 14 is also the most goal involvements um, a Liverpool midfielder has managed um, in a full season under Jurgen Klopp. And that's uh, Wijnaldum and Lallana in 16-17. And the fact that we're having to go back that far for that kind of number, I suppose, shows how long it's been since Liverpool had that kind of big attacking presence from midfield. So, James, what do you think? Over under 14.5 on Sobberslight, is he going to be the player who books the trend? Yeah, I mean, that's worked out nicely for you, hasn't it, with the 14? Yeah, there's lots of... Uh... Lots of relevance to that, but yeah, I think I think he will be the player to back that trend. Um, I've I've gone with over, and I think it's also helpful that we're talking about him straight after talking about Trent because that was another sort of thought in my mind thinking about Alexander Arnold's assist total because just going off what we've seen in preseason, there's going to be some serious competition for those sort of right-footed set pieces, particularly corners. It looks like Sobislai is going to be the go-to man for that. We've already seen couple of goals direct from corners, really, really effective deliveries. I think only one of them he technically got the assist for because I think the other one was a bit more of a sort of worked routine where there was a flick on and someone else finished it. But the uh, the Diaz goal, I think, was directly from a, from a Sobosly corner. So over the course of the season, I think, you know, he, he'll be good for maybe three or four assists direct from corners from what we've seen in pre-season. We know that Klopp's got a massive focus on set pieces. We know that we have some physical players in there who, who probably should be returning more in terms of goals from corners. You look at Van Dijk and particularly Canate, who really doesn't score enough, probably. Um, so, you know, if Liverpool can weaponise that threat, that, that's numbers almost for free for Sobberslie in terms of goal involvements. And then, like you say, yeah, last couple of seasons with Leipzig, he, he does have the open play threat as well, six, six goals in, in, in a couple of seasons there. And in some of them were free kicks as well, I should say. Not all open play. But again, that's chances he could get at Liverpool. And, you know, it looks like the team is going to be set up in such an offensive manner this season. I think we will see it maybe toned down a little bit as Klopp tries, carries on trying to find the balance of, of how to sort of be a little bit more defensively secure. But, you know, assuming we go with some kind of variation on the system that Klopp does seem pretty set on, then there will be those two sort of twin attacking number eight roles. And you talk about how we haven't seen these kind of numbers since 16-17, but we haven't really seen attacking midfielders in the clock side since since around about the same time. So that would make sense, really. And yeah, he, he has 
supreme quality in attacking areas. So yeah, I think I think he is the one to break that that sort of ceiling. I think you make some very good arguments there. I've lent towards under for this one. Um and I suppose similar to how you thought with, with Trent in, in preseason, I just looked at it and yeah, that there have been the corners, and I think that is an important factor. But in terms of just the, the open play, I'm not really sure how many kind of chances I've seen Soppersleigh create. And I, I do wonder if there is going to be kind of more of that um, evolution that we saw. I mean, with Wijnaldum after that, maybe his first season became a lot more kind of focused on the deeper aspects of the game. Um, but this is an evolved Liverpool side. You know, I think it, it, it's got a different setup in midfield. I think there's different... Um, profiles a midfielder in the first place, so there is definitely the possibility there. I think he might just um, come, you know, come underneath that that uh, fourteen point five mark. But I do think that uh, he's nailed on to get kind of a significant amount more than than we'd see from um, the likes of you know Jordan Henderson, who I suppose would have played that role last season um, during the running. I think it's going to be a big step up um, from Salah regardless. Uh, we'll move on to the other midfield signing that's come in so far now, uh, McAllister. Rather than just looking at uh, straight goals and assists on this one, because he, he will probably be expected to provide a, a decent amount on that front too, we thought we'd look at the penalties from him, which was quite a big feature last season. He scored 10 Premier League goals, but six of them were penalties. Only Erling Haaland scored more with seven. Obviously, Mohamed Salah is currently the number one taker at Liverpool, but did miss a couple last year. So we've gone for over-under, 2.5 penalties scored in all competitions. What do you think, James? Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I think I think probably under just about. I, th- I think we've seen already that Salah will have the kind of license to to miss a few and and still be the the taker of choice. And I think that's the right way to do it. You've seen clubs mess about trying to find their preferred taker, and it just seems to lead to more misses. To be honest, you know, if you have you know a very very clear specialist in your side who's scored you know 95% of his career penalties from a big sample then maybe you look at changing it but to be honest if you find someone who has a great sort of elite mentality like Salah does who's cool under pressure and who obviously knows how to strike a ball very well I think you probably cut your losses in terms of trying to mix the penalty order around and just say you know what you're the taker and we'll miss some but you know, we'll probably still score at a rate slightly above the average for penalties, which is, you know, around sort of, I think, 75 78% or something converted. I, I don't think Salah's dropped below that. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, I think for me, it's something you, you don't want to meddle with too much. And McAllister does have a good record. And maybe if there's one or two more instances where Salah's off the pitch this season, which we could see with so much attacking talent, then, then maybe he can, he can be the next man up like Milner was in the past. And, you know, it, there's a way that the the cards fall where McAllister is the one on the pitch for maybe three penalties. So he could get over it, but I think you know, playing the numbers, I, I'd suggest probably not. Yeah, I'd agree with you. To be honest on this, I've also gone for under. the The thing that makes me question it is because I don't think Salah would get taken off penalties. I think he's got too much kind of status within the dressing room for that to happen. Um, you know, obviously that was tested to a degree last year with those couple of misses in quick succession and retained those duties and then responded well. I think he's sort of nailed down that that place. The question is, you know, do you get times where McAllister is on the pitch and Salah isn't? I don't necessarily see that being the case too often because I think they're both first choice players. So if one of them's off the pitch, it's probably going to be because the team's been heavily rotated, um, to be honest. So I've, I think we might see 
we might see him score a penalty during the season. Obviously, be useful if there's any penalty shootouts as well. Um, but I don't think he's going to um, get to three um, overall. Let's move on to the front line then. And we're going to start with, I think, one of the most interesting players at Liverpool this season in Darwin Nunes. Um, obviously, only got 14 goals last year. But incidentally, that was the exact amount he got in his first season at Benfica. And then we all know what happened in his second year. Scored 34 and uh, basically catapulted himself onto the radar of, of the world's best teams. Um, it was difficult to pick a exact number on this one, but I've gone for 24.5 as the benchmark. Do you think he'll clear that, James? Well, it's worth noting that you, you told me it's all competitions for this one, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah, I all think, competitions for this year. Yeah, I think with that caveat, I've gone over. I think it'll be tight, though. I think that'll be exactly the kind of ballpark he's in. I think maybe sort of 15 or so in the Premier League. and I, It's hard because if he gets a run like he did at Benfica, then he could go mad. He could have a massive season. He could clear that in the Premier League alone. But at Benfica, he didn't have the same level of competition on that place, you know, and also he didn't have as much of, as many obstacles in a way, if you like, in terms of the language barrier. Of course, it doesn't speak the language. It's Portuguese rather than his native Spanish. But, you know, there's there's less of a language barrier there. We've heard that he's made good progress on that front, which is good. It's going to be helpful for adaptation. But there's just so many little things that, that maybe count against him when the competition is so strong. I mean, we saw the final pre-season game, didn't we, where Klopp basically shoehorned in four of the five attackers and, and Nunes was the one to miss out. I don't know if that's indicative of what the pecking order is going to be, and it could certainly change a lot over the course of the campaign. But I'm, I'm just worried about game time. And the thing with Benfica is he had that season to settle and then they let him loose and he, he was playing all the time. He was the main man. And it was that kind of, that sort of process that led to him going, like like you say, exploding, scoring so many goals. And you wonder if he can replicate that kind of evolution if he's not being afforded the minutes he needs. We've seen he can make an impact off the bench. I mean, that was how he, he made his, his first sort of Liverpool impact, really, wasn't it, um, at the start of last season. So, you know, he, he can still score good numbers even without being necessarily the go-to guy. But, and I think as well, because it was such a big investment, there will be, you know, a desire within the club to, to get him on the pitch as much as possible. And I think what's wrong for me in terms of going for over is the Europa League. I think, especially in the early stages, that'll be where Klopp goes, right, OK, show me what you can do, prove why you should be in the team for the other games. And, you know, he, he could easily run riot in the Europa League, especially in those, like I say, the early stages. So, you know, even if the league tally isn't quite where maybe everyone will want it to be, I think there's other competitions where he can make up for it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I'd say so as well. I think, like I say, I, I don't necessarily imagine him getting there in the Premier League alone, but there's going to be a lot of football to be played, even with the, the rotation that will take place. And I think he, he will do it. And for the, the price tag Liverpool paid, I think 25 should really be seen as the minimum um, in all compositions. Um, and the thing for me is, you look at the volume of chances Nunez has, he doesn't have to finish them at, at an especially clinical rate to actually reach those kind of numbers. He just has to be kind of an average finisher and he'll score, I think he'll comfortably get 25 if he is. Um, so the, I'd say the bar, because of the quality of his movement, 
and the level of the supply, I think the bar for actually reaching that is quite low in terms of his finishing. Um, so I would back him to do it. And I think, to be honest, if he's not getting at least close to that amount, then serious questions have to be asked um, about the transfer. Um, another player who arrived in 2022 is Luis Diaz. He obviously had a half season, first of all, and then an injury, you know, injury just destroyed his, his season last year. Uh, we've, we're also talking about goals in all competitions with him. We've gone slightly lower at 14.5. Do you think he'll get there, James? Yeah, I think I think this one will be less close than Nunes, or at least I had less hesitation over the call anyway. I think the one thing we've been waiting on from Diaz really is to see that output click into gear. And I think it's definitely getting there. He scored three in pre-season. You know, he's he's looked he's looked dangerous. Before that injury came, he was starting to get get among the goals a little bit more. And um yeah, we've seen it at, at previous clubs as well that he, he does have that that end product to his game. Um you look at who he's come in to replace, essentially it's it's Sadio Mane. I know he came in when Mane was still at the club and they played alongside each other for most of that half season when Mane had sort of reinvented himself through the middle. But yeah, I think in terms of who's the direct replacement, it's definitely um, Diaz rather than Nunes in terms of the profile of the player. And, you know, one of the things about Mane was he was, he was good for a lot of goals. He was always kind of second fiddle to, to Salah, in, except for that one season where they were, were joint top scorers. But um, yeah, he, he would comfortably clear the, the 15 goal mark, particularly in all competitions. And, I think that's definitely the minimum target for Diaz, but I also think it's it's highly plausible. I think he'll probably be more of a regular starter than Nunes, and I think as long as he's starting most games, it, it, he'll he'll clear that. Yeah, and I've also gone for over on this one. Um, he's got eleven goals in forty-seven appearances for Liverpool so far. Um, to be slightly more representative, he's made thirty-three starts. So he would have to sort of improve the the goal scoring rate a bit, but I think the anticipation is he will do that um, because obviously a lot of those appearances he wasn't wasn't necessarily fully fit or fully integrated. He has those things now. So if he stays fit, he should get there. I mean, even the season where Liverpool signed him, he'd already reached sixteen goals for Porto uh, by the time he joined. So hopefully that's the kind of uh, level he can reach this year. Let's move on to Mohamed Salah. Rather than looking at goals with him, because it's, it's pretty much a given at this point that he'll be uh, Liverpool's top scorer. Um, let's look at assists. Um, surrounded by fully fit attackers, a new attacker in Gakpo, and hopefully a more clinical Darwin Nunez. Salah's actually hit 16 assists in three seasons, and that is the highest he's managed so far. But I'm wondering if he can get to 20 this year. So I've gone for over under 19.5. What do you think, James? Well, he's got seven just in pre-season, which is frankly incredible. Um, I don't think we can expect him to keep that rate up because, I mean, it's not just seven in five games. It's seven in the equivalent of three games when you look at the minutes he's played. So, you know, no one has ever assisted at that rate across the course of a season. So, yeah, I'm not expect some kind of regression, but it shows you that he is creating chances. And I think you're right to flag up previous seasons. He's been creating these chances for a while. I mean, particularly last season, I think we did see a little bit more of that kind of Mohamed Salah as a creator sort of role. It's just that, like you say, maybe those around him weren't being quite as clinical as they could have been. I mean, Nunes is the one who springs to mind. I can't remember exactly how many it was, but I know that Nunes and Salah were the the biggest combination in in the Liverpool team in terms of creating clear-cut chances for each other. Uh, But Nunes got assists for Salah, and I don't think Salah ended up with any for Nunes in the Premier League because they've just he kept on missing the chances that were that were served up for him. So, yeah, assuming that 
he and the other attackers maybe start finding that clinical edge a bit more, then that that will maybe get Salah over that mark. It's a high bar you've set, but I think I think he can do it. And I, I think as well, we will see this sort of gradual shift in focus from him, sort of away from goal scoring. Like you say, he is kind of guaranteed to get you a certain number of goals per season. But I think maybe that number will slowly start to drop as we see Salah kind of reinventing himself to to be able to keep going at the highest level for a number of years to come. Obviously, we hope that's at Liverpool. His, his agent's been talking, hasn't he, about Saudi Arabia and, and how Salah hasn't even discussed that yet. So hopefully that's a good sign that, that he will be at Liverpool for, for well, hopefully the rest of his career. But I, I think what we're seeing is the kind of long-term plan for how that's going to be possible in terms of maybe even turning him more into more of a kind of latter years messy figure who, who is primarily a playmaker really he's still good for goals but you know what what you sort of get is the bread and butter is is creating for others and yeah it, it's such an underrated part of his game like you say he's hit 16 assists multiple times so i think he hit what was it 12 last season in the premier league something like that so yeah it's it, already solid numbers and i think like you say with with all of the factors and with the attack improving around him i, I think he can just about do it yeah, 20 is it a huge amount, and I think it will put him right up there, not just among players based in England, but players in the top five leagues as well. Um, and and maybe that's what it would take for him to get the recognition he deserves on the playmaking side. Uh, I've I've also gone for over. I, I think Salah is capable of doing that, which is obviously a glowing endorsement of him, and it's pretty much for all the reasons you said there, James. So we don't need to dwell on that too much longer. Move on to our penultimate uh, question now and our final kind of player one. And what we're going to do is match up the two forwards that we've not touched on so far in Cody Gakpo and Diogo Jota. So the question is, uh, Cody Gakpo over under Diogo Jota's total goal involvement in all compositions. An intriguing one because you've got to factor in minutes played and also obviously the level of productivity from the players. So what do you think on this one, James? Yeah, really tricky one. Um, I'm just about going to give the nod to Jota, I think. Um, I think primarily because... Klopp does massively rate Jota. It's easy to forget that. I think you look at a lot of sort of supporters, starting 11s, you know, just mocked up during pre-season or what have you, and a lot of them leave out Jota. But I think we've seen a concerted effort from Klopp to get him into the lineup, however possible. And one of the ways he's done that has been by trying Gakpo out in that advanced number eight role. And I, I think Gakpo can score goals from there. I mean, we were talking about Soboslai playing from there and, you know, maybe hitting 15 goal involvement. So that's not to say Kekpo won't find the net from a more withdrawn role. But I think if you're looking at maybe Gakpo as an attacking midfielder and Jota as a centre forward, you just kind of have to play the numbers there and, and, and give the nod to the centre forward. And we know he can go on go on runs and when he scores, he tends to score again. Uh, and yeah, so that, that gets your tally up quite quickly in terms of goals for the season. And yeah, maybe I think Gakpo, I, I have him down as maybe kind of more of a steady presence. He'll chip in pretty consistently over the course of the season. And and of course, he is still a candidate in that number nine role. We've seen him there at times as well. And he's finished clinically. So yeah, it's a tricky one. But even when he was playing just as a, as a winger for, for PSV before Liverpool signed him, his output was incredible, like, like Luis Diaz really in that time up to January before we went for him. But even then, his, his assists were greater than his goals. That's not to say he doesn't have that eye for goal because he, he's impressed me with with how clinical he's been when the chances have come his way. But he's not necessarily that kind of poacher figure you, you would maybe associate with Shotter. He's not sort of laser-focused 
on goals. He's he likes to create for others, including Jota. So yeah, I think I think it, like you say, there's there's questions about game time because I, I think even though Klopp does like Jota, I think maybe Gakpo plays more over the course of the season. But factoring in everything, I think Jota will probably finish on on a few more goals. He's got got four in preseason, which is you know as good a, an indication as any. Yeah, this one this one is quite tricky. I think um, I lent towards Gakpo in the end. I think he will play considerably more minutes. I think the most used front line is going to be uh, Salah, Gakpo and Diaz. That's my prediction now, but obviously things can change a lot. Fitness will play a part in that. Um, and I also think while Jota is definitely the more kind of um, penalty box poacher of the two, I think Gakpo will probably surprise a few with the, the step up he makes in his output, just with kind of having that full preseason behind him. And uh, I think he will probably shade this one. So I've gone for Gakpo over over the course of the season. And yeah, so that's it for the players. Now we're going to kind of wrap things up by talking about Liverpool generally, which I suppose is quite fitting. Um, a lot of apprehension at the moment about where the Reds are at heading into the new season, but also um, optimism that they can at least return to the Premier League's top four. So we've gone for a, a points total over under of 79.5. Um, do you reckon Liverpool make that, James? What, what's your feelings on it? Yeah, I think you'd have had to set it maybe four or five points higher for for me to have been really challenged by this one. I mean, I I'm always too optimistic about Liverpool, but you know, there's no there's no chance I'm going to go into a season predicting below below eighty points. I think we know there's we know there's things that can be improved upon. I mean, we've we've said that we expect Liverpool to concede forty plus goals, so clearly there's there's not blind confidence. But I think looking in particular at the attacking talent at Klopp's disposal to then say they're not going to clear 80 points so no I, I, I couldn't do that I can see why people might be might be more worried than I am because you know we've seen teams in the past trying to just outgun the opposition in every game and, and sort of disregard defence and it's not typically the stuff that title challenges are built on but you know you could even hark back to 13-14 to couldn't you when Liverpool cleared that points tally they pushed City all the way for the title. Obviously, this was this is pre-clock days, but that same sort of principle of, of just we have incredible attackers and let's hope we can ride through on that. It, it's it's not a great blueprint for trying to win the league, but it, if the attackers are good enough, which I believe they are, then it should get you over a certain number of points. And, and I think with with the, the number set at 80, I think, yeah, Liverpool will certainly be thinking they're capable of clearing that. Yeah, I've... Um, what have I gone for? Let me just let me just check my notes. I've gone for over because I, I did struggle with this one a little bit. Um, I think I've, I've got Liverpool finishing third in the table, um, and I think eighty points is more or less what you get for kind of a team who who finishes there. Um, it's probably been a little bit of radiation over the years, but I think that's sort of a decent benchmark. So I think it, it probably will be the way the squad's looking now. I think it will be close. I think hopefully with the reinforcements that we're expecting to arrive, it becomes. Um, a case of Liverpool clearing that comfortably, but but right now I think that might be kind of a, a realistic target. Um, but hopefully, you know, the more optimistic, I mean, the more optimistic side of me does say that they can push on certainly towards um, the mid eighties. Hopefully, once the squad is is complete. But yeah, at the moment, it's like um, so as we do have to show some humility in our objectives for the season, just because of you know the, the way last season went and the way the summer's gone in the transfer window. But yeah. That is it for our 10 scenarios. We've, we've gone through them all now and obviously cover the 
whole host of different topics there. So hope you've enjoyed listening. Um, if you want to have a go in the comments as well, obviously just let us know what you think on those over-unders as well, and we'll, we'll have a look at those. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week with another podcast this time, talking about the actual Premier League season, which will finally be underway after all these weeks and months of waiting. But yeah, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Thanks to James for joining me, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.